Hello and welcome to Marketing on the Moon. I'm your host, Regan Olsey, here to help you learn how to implement the right Web3 marketing strategies that actually move the needle so that you can finally attract, nurture, and convert your ideal audience. In today's Marketing Bite, I'm going to focus on some of the challenges of marketing in the Web3 ecosystem and how you can overcome them to provide, honestly, some much-needed pragmatism in the space. So if you've ever wondered how Web3 marketing really works or want to implement strategies that actually get you closer to your goals, stick around. I promise you won't want to miss this. All right, hello and welcome to Marketing on the Moon. This week's Marketing Bite, you heard it in the introduction. I'm going to go through a couple of little challenges that I've noticed in the last four years or so of marketing in this space. Now, I definitely don't want to be a downer when I go through these different challenges. I obviously love working in Web3 before everyone comes after me. I very clearly love this industry and want to stay here, but we have to be honest with ourselves. Sometimes it can be really difficult. We are constantly pushing for people to come and join this industry that they're a little bit skeptical of. There are a lot of bad actors in the space. Now, there are very few in comparison to the overall number of actual participants. But that being said, there are still bad actors and those stories run through the media cycles and the press absolutely have a heyday with them. So that can be very difficult for marketers to be able to sit there, continue to build this relationship with people, and then also experience the onboarding challenge of bringing more people in. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today is how you can actually start to close the gap. I want to highlight some of the opportunities that exist, how you can up-level yourself, but then also some of those challenges that you may not know exist in Web3 to make sure that you are fully prepared when you join that next role, when you take on that next responsibility, whatever it is. So let's jump right into it and we'll go through the six different challenges that I've identified. The first opportunity that I've recognized is we are not leaning in to our Web2 audiences enough. If you look at somebody like Chris Brown, which I know we're not supposed to mention his name, but when he tried to launch an NFT, he didn't lean into his Web2 audience. He only b- tried to build an audience in Web3 and then failed miserably because of it. I think that's a really great example of why you need to use what you have, use what you know. But your marketing strategy doesn't change a huge amount just because you're moving into Web3. Sure, Web3, we lean more into community, but really what we're doing is using a different tech. At the end of the day, your customers are going to have a very similar experience. They may need to onboard onto a new platform. That's where the education piece comes in. But don't forget about your Web2 audience just because you're moving into the Web3 world. Or don't forget about Web2 audiences just because you sit in Web3. Even in the B2B world, just because there aren't Web3 businesses attending a conference, for example, doesn't mean that you shouldn't go and sponsor that conference. It doesn't mean that your prospects aren't attending that conference. There are opportunities everywhere that you look. You just have to know where to look for them and how to look for them. Because what happens when we end up just being confined to everyone in the Web3 world? Well, you just create this ecosystem where everyone is buying and selling inside this little bubble and no one's reaching out to that wider audience. Let's tap new markets here. It's not even a new market. It's an existing market by being more creative in our marketing and not just sticking to Web3. Okay, problem number two, your tech is cool, but it means nothing to your users. 
And I say this because it was one of the reasons why I wanted to come into Web3 in the first place. Sam and I actually talked about this because she had a very similar experience, Samantha Mullet. She and I talked about product marketing a couple episodes ago. She first wanted to come into Web3 because she recognized how poor the marketing was. She recognized that we were using all of this jargon. I'm going to talk about jargon here in a second, but we weren't getting to the crux of the issue. People weren't following the fundamentals of marketing and meeting their customers where they are. And I think that's so important for marketers coming into Web3 right now, or if you're working in a Web3 company, to recognize you have to solve the problem for your customer and make that really clear. Now, this may come from an actual misalignment of your marketing team. And so if you're sitting in a company right now and saying, oh, that is my struggle. I just don't feel like we are getting to the crux of our customer's issue, or I just don't feel like we are converting in the way that we should be converting. We're focusing too much on the tech. Oftentimes, this can come from a misalignment internally. And that's because I will see this quite often. I'll speak to founders or I will speak to an existing CMO on a team when I come in for a potential consulting project and they will tell me how they've tried all of these different demand generation tactics, right? They have gone on Twitter. They have signed up to TikTok. They're creating blog content. But then I ask them about their ideal customers and they look at me and kind of cut their head a little bit and go, huh? They can't answer it as clearly as you should be able to before you even get to the stage of creating your demand generation program. And now this may come for a couple of different reasons, likely a misalignment in not only your marketing strategy, but also in your hiring process. Now, if you're a founder or a marketing leader who's saying, oh, yes, this is our exact problem, this is what you might need to do in order to solve it. What I see founders do all too often is they know that they need to build a marketing program. They don't know how to, so they go, which is right, I'm going to go hire someone to do it. But instead of hiring somebody who knows how to be both strategic and tactical at the same time, they go one of two directions. They either hire a marketer as a CMO. And a CMO, when you are very early stage, who works for you full time, likely isn't going to be the person that you need on board. Maybe doesn't have experience actually building and growing a team. Maybe doesn't have experience going through the scale up process and just wants to focus their energy on the demand generation side of the house instead of the product marketing side. Or your other issue could be you're hiring junior social media managers or even a senior social media manager, but you're hiring people to just go and create content and not actually take a step back to the very beginning, look at the fundamentals and say, is our messaging actually aligned? That's the big piece here when it comes to my statement, your tech is cool because it is, but your users don't care. What they want to know is, how is this solving the problem? How is this making my life more convenient? How is this helping me in my day-to-day, whether at work or in my personal life? And that is what your team needs to be focusing on. And to close this point out, this is another reason why I'd say it's so important for marketers to get into the weeds of what their customers are experiencing. You have to know your product. You have to know the ecosystem if you're ever going to try and solve those problems for them or at least create messaging that they enjoy. All right, so that leads me to point number three. Quit the jargon. If I see one more landing page that has GM, LFG, whatever else, a huge amount of jargon on it, I'm absolutely going to cry because that is not a way to build trust. It is actually excluding your audience more than you probably know. People are already skeptical about Web3. So unless they are a true degen, which those are the folks that joined Web3 in the very early days, they're very few degens now in comparison to you know, four or five years ago. 
unless your audience is purely DGENs or even developers, you probably want to err on the side of caution and exclude jargon because people don't necessarily understand the benefit of an NFT. If you look at Starbucks, that's a really great example. They had their Starbucks Odyssey membership program. And in early 2023, they sold 2,000 of what they called journey stamps for about $100 each or exactly $100 each. And they sold out in under 20 minutes because they didn't focus on the tech. They didn't say, oh, you know, come and collect NFTs. While that might be interesting to the DGENs again, it's not necessarily interesting to my mom. It's not interesting to your average day collector. It's not interesting to your, I don't know, average corporate worker in San Francisco. You need to be able to speak to a wider audience. And again, that pairs back to the previous point of you got to meet your customers where they are. Oftentimes I see as a consultant, jargon hides the real value of your product. Now you can use jargon if you are actively trying to hide the value of your product, but I would say for the most part, you're not trying to do that. So your message gets muddled when you add this flurry of jargon. And I know that you think you're trying to relate with your customers, but at the end of the day, you're not. Moving along to the next one, you are not building trust. Now, if you look at a traditional marketing funnel, right? You have your top of funnel, your middle and bottom. That is how people are supposed to go through the attract, the nurture and the convert phase. This is what I talk about all the time on this podcast. That trust building piece is going to be so important right at the middle of the funnel because people are going to come in top of funnel based on something that's controversial, based on something that's relatable, based on something where they say, ooh, this has piqued my interest. This is something I didn't know about before. But they're going to stay because they trust you. They're going to stay because they are ready to start moving through the funnel and hopefully be pushed towards that ultimate purchasing decision. And so if you're forgetting about that trust building piece, then you're forgetting about a huge part of your marketing strategy. Web3 is already filled with so much skepticism that as marketers, we have this responsibility where we need to make sure everything is buttoned up, but also that we are being really clear as to our education, why safety is of high priority, right? Like focus on your brand values as you're educating people and that will help build trust. Not only that, we now know that in this new age of consumers, they want to see, for lack of a better term, because I hate this phrase, how the sausage is made. That is why personal brands are so important. People want to know that they can connect on a value level with the founders of a company before they actually support that company. And so it's a very similar concept here. They want to know who's working on the back end of this tech. Who's working on the back end of this product? How is it actually made? And is this something that I can get behind and I can support? And so that trust is going to be so crucial. And those are a couple of different ways that you can build it. Problem number five, we have to measure hype versus expectations. This is an age old marketing issue and marketers from all over the world have dealt with this. I know I definitely have. How much do we hype up product or a service versus how much do we set expectations? Now, my motto has always been under promise and over deliver. And I try and bring that same concept to marketing. What you don't want to do is hype people up so much. We've seen that happen, particularly with events, even products, but events, right? Like Fire Island is a great example of it. They way overpromised and way underdelivered. And when you do that, it's immediate X to your trust, right? It's very hard from a PR standpoint to come back from that. But it also means that you are another stereotype of Web3 marketing, right? At this point, it's very stereotypical to just 
again, add all that jargon in, focus on the hype and not create realistic expectations for people. It's why regulators are now stepping in and saying, what are the marketing restrictions around what you can and cannot put up online? If you're an exchange offering someone the opportunity to stake their ETH and earn a certain yield percentage on it, you don't want to promise them a certain amount of funds. You also don't want to force them or like create a great area of forcing them to go and invest in that new product or in that new opportunity. And so there's a really fine line between clearly explaining and overpromising. This is also important when it comes to your marketing strategy, because as marketers, it's really hard sometimes to see through the hype and get clear on what's a trend that's actually going to stick. You know, early days of NFTs, it was all about PFPs. And the real winners here were either the early movers in the PFP space, or they were the PFPs that offered real utility that had some kind of, you know, creative image that came along with it that people were excited about and potentially had some images that were rarer than others, but the utility piece there was key. Or the people who made it in NFTs were the ones who really looked at the long term. They looked at whether or not an NFT was going to be applicable to their business model in the future. So someone like a Ticketmaster, if they are implementing NFTs for tickets, they saw the use case there. They looked past the PFPs. They didn't start to, you know, try to head down a path that clearly wasn't for them. And when it comes to marketing, we constantly need to be evaluating, is this or is this not for us? So if you look at, you know, all the cool marketing opportunities that exist in Web3, a decentralized social media platform is a great one. But if your customers aren't actually sitting on that platform, then don't focus on it. A security company in Web3, for example, wouldn't necessarily recommend that they go and sit on a decentralized social media platform unless they knew for a fact that some of their customers were currently there. Instead, go and sit somewhere like a crypto Twitter because you know that in the corporate world, like LinkedIn, a lot of people spend their days following influencers on both LinkedIn and Twitter. So that would probably be a social media channel that's going to yield you a higher ROI than one that's Web3 native. And then the final problem that I see so many marketers dealing with in Web3 is you are letting someone else tell you what to do. And that's oftentimes because we come in to companies and haven't been in Web3 before. I definitely did this when I first came into the space. Hadn't been in Web3. It was very intimidating. I didn't know what questions to ask. And so I let myself be overtaken by some of that fear. And it took a real conscious effort for me to stop and say, look, I'm going to do all the research on my own. I wish that I had had a platform like this to be able to go and learn from. But that was four years ago. And so now we are in a very different space and these resources exist. But had I had that information, I just would have gone and said, I'm going to go and soak up as much as I possibly can. But I would have also given myself the confidence that I know the marketing fundamentals here. Now I just need to apply them to a different industry. And this is a learning curve that so many different marketers go through, but one that's really important for us to continue to highlight. When you start to look at it as sales is going to tell me what to do, or a product is going to tell me what new regulations have come into play. Now, of course, we recognize that sales is going to know more about certain areas. They're you know, directly in contact with the customer every single day. Product is going to know more about the individual features, but it is our responsibility to ask the right questions and start to glean some of those insights and transform them into copy and content 
that we know is going to be really compelling for our prospects and for our customers. We also know the frameworks and the templates and the strategies necessary in order to start to move those folks down through the funnel and start to build demand for the companies that we're working for. Okay, so we talked about a lot. We talked about the six different problems or challenges that I see marketers tackle every single day in Web3. I've been in this industry for four years, and I've talked to so many of you that I know experience very similar problems. So hopefully this episode was helpful. Start to implement some of these tactics because they are all crafted to bring your company from, huh, who is that? To, oh shit, I need to buy from them now. That's what our goal is. Okay, and that brings us to the very end of today's podcast. Thank you so much for listening in. If you have any questions about anything we covered in the show or would like to learn more about how we can work together, come and find me over on LinkedIn and drop me a quick hello. I love when you all reach out and I respond to every single message. If you liked today's session, don't forget to follow the podcast. And then finally, if you're ready to fine tune your Web3 marketing skills, don't forget about my newest marketing course, The Power of Web3 Marketing. Unlike most courses, this one helps marketers get up to speed on Web3 and learn exactly how they can implement the right trends and strategies for their business today. So as a special gift, Marketing on the Moon listeners get an extra $150 off using code MINT, M-I-N-T. Head to the power of web3.marketing to grab your seat today. And don't forget to tune in next week as we dive deeper into the world of Web3. I cannot wait to see you there.